Okay, well, hello, North Cincy students and friends. We're going to be, we're taking a little break from our Philippians study, and we're going to look at John 20, 19 through 21. So if you have a Bible, please open it to there. And as you're turning, I want to give a little context for why we're taking a little break in Philippians. We'll be back next week, but for this week, we had a worship night um, on Wednesday night, a virtual worship night on Zoom. And I spoke a short message on the, um, the resurrected peace of Jesus from this passage. And I wanted to develop it more fully into a talk. And then also have you guys discuss it on Monday night in your virtual connect groups in light of uh, just how your Easter was. So I think it's just um, necessary at this time because all of us are experiencing a disorienting Easter. Um, at least at our church, we are. We usually have Monday, Thursday services, Good Friday services, Easter Sunday services, and there is none of those because of uh, our inability to meet, so everything has been virtual. So it's just been a little disorienting Easter. So I think it'd be good just for us to reflect on Jesus together in our small groups on Monday night and let this text kind of focus our hearts to discuss what was it like for us to to re-experience Easter this year in the midst of all that is happening. So um, that's why I wanted to do this. So let's read together John 20, 19 through, through 22, and then I'll pray for us, and then we'll dive in. Verse 19 says this, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you just for the hope of Easter. Thank you for the hope of the resurrection. Thank you for the Jesus who is present, who shows us his wounds, um, who equips us to follow him, to follow you. And Father, we pray just in this uh, season of unrest that all of us have ex been experiencing, that we would experience your peace afresh. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, on Wednesday night, uh, I mentioned how when I lived in St. Louis, I lived in an area of town that was close to an area called Ferguson which when we were there, I can't remember the year, I believe it was 2014, when we were there, a unarmed African-American, um, either it was a late teenager or early 20s, was approached by an armed white police officer, and he, there was a confrontation, and the police officer shot uh, Mike Brown and um, killed him, and it led to a massive uproar in St. Louis that was a a a racially charged city to begin with, historically, for a lot of reasons. 
but also this neighborhood in particular was was racially charged and this was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back and and these two communities the african american community and the police and justice system uh there was a lot of unrest between them and it wasn't true for every individual within these communities as everybody had their own opinions and 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 different things uh but the but the communities as a whole there was tension there was unrest uh the the communities um, and Ferguson, uh, many rioted, and there was buildings that were burnt, cars that were burnt. Uh, many police officers were hurt. Um, many were, um, were um, you know, uh, terrible things were shouted at them. There were two parties that were, that were clearly at unrest, which resulted in the unrest of a whole city. And I just remember sitting there and wondering, as somebody who, like I said, lived really close to the unrest and to the rioting, I could hear the, the, the police officer, I could hear the helicopters above my house going to and fro. I was watching um, the, uh, the, the riots on TV and thinking, are they going to continue down uh, Page a little bit more, the road that we lived on, and will they come to our area? I just, I felt very uncertain. And in the aftermath that led to that, there was just a lot of uncertainty of, would, would justice be served, would it not be served? Who defines justice? What does justice look like for each party? It was just a really confusing time. And it was, it was like I mentioned on Wednesday, was that, um, and also 9-11, and also right now, were the three times in my life where I've experienced kind of this mass unrest. I've always experienced unrest in my personal life, but not cultural or communal unrest. So we're kind of in a season, and I wanted to use that to illustrate the beauty of what Christ's followers did in the midst of that unrest and how they just stay, they, through their presence, through just showing up, they offered in themselves as peacemakers amongst these two communities that were at unrest, the African-American community and also the, the police community. Um, and again, this weren't necessarily individuals, but the masses that they represented that they represented, and how the church showed up in the midst of that unrest, and, and many churches in the area did a lot of things that opened up um, uh, just bridges for these communities to interact and hear each other, and a lot of churches uh, really leaned into um, just uh, the question of what does justice look like in this season? What does justice look like for the African American community? What does the justice look like for the police and justice community or judicial community? And it was a really beautiful illustration and thing that I saw the church in action about how in the midst of unrest, how true peace isn't the absence of unrest, but it's to be present in the unrest and and to be peacemakers and offer the peace that they have in Jesus. So often, I believe the lie that true peace, right, that to experience peace means the absence of unrest. But that's not true because we live in a sinful and fallen world. And the one guarantee that I can have is that even though there may be different um, ways that we experience unrest or different, um, it may be amplified or de-amplified at times, we all experience unrest because we live in a fallen world, that the world is cursed, that there is rebellion against God that leads to the destruction of others and the unrest of others the inability for people to be reconciled, right? We live in a fallen world. And because of that, we live in constant 
unrest. On our earthly journey, there will always be unrest. The peace of the resurrected Jesus, the peace that we were reminded of every Easter, of the peace of the resurrected Jesus, does not mean that we have the absence of unrest. Rather, it is His peace in the midst of our unrest. And this resurrected peace today points us to a resurrected peace that is to come. Jesus offers a peace. That doesn't mean that it creates the absence of unrest, but is a peace in the midst of unrest. When Jesus came and He ministered, He created unrest. He was peace Himself in the flesh, embodied peace, shalom, is what the Hebrews would call it in the Old Testament. And because He brought about true peace, it, it created unrest in the world that He was in because there were those who used religious systems, who used economic systems, who used relational systems, who used those things to consolidate power. So when Jesus comes and He claims that He is the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that He, that he can bring forgiveness of sins, not religious leaders, right? That He is the intermediary between God and man. It disrupted. It disrupted the culture of His day. It disrupted the assumptions that people had, and it created unrest. And that's what true, the true peace of Jesus does. It draws a line in the sand. It creates peace in the midst of unrest, but also to those who are using unrest for their own advantage, it creates more unrest for them. And the beauty of Jesus, and the beauty that we're reminded of, not just on Good Friday, I know today's Good Friday, right? We, we, see, we, we, we remember on Good Friday that Jesus died on the cross, and then we have Easter Sunday where He resurrects to new life. We see and we're reminded in John 20, 19 through 21, that we have in Jesus a resurrected peace. A peace that He promised and a peace that the resurrection proves and fulfills. It is a peace to come. A peace that is based upon a peace that was. A peace, true peace and everlasting peace has come back to life. And has been given to us. And what we see in, in John 20, 19 through 22 is that we have a peace in Jesus that is a resurrected peace. That is a peace that restores and it is a peace that empowers. Look with me, look with me in verse 19, right? We see that we have a peace of Jesus that restores us. That is restored just simply by His being present with us. In verse 19 it says, On the evening of that day... The first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Right, He was present with them. The disciples were, were scared. In the same account that Luke gives in Luke 24, verses 36 through 49, it says that they were startled and frightened, and they thought that they saw a spirit or a ghost. Right? They were afraid, not just of Jesus' presence at first, because they were like, we saw you die, what are you doing alive? But also, too, they were, they were in a midst of personal unrest because this Jesus that they had just followed for the last three years, who promised them peace, shalom, the kingdom of God, he died. And they were scattered, and they were scared, because they were wondering, 
is my fate as the one who was associated with Jesus if I am found while I follow in the same footsteps. So they were just, weren't just, they were just frightened for the sake of being frightened. They were scared for their life. And Jesus comes to them in the midst of their uncertainty and their unrest, and he says, peace be with you. He doesn't say, peace be with you because I've changed your circumstances. No, he says, peace be with you because I am with you. Jesus is the resurrected peace that we so long, and he is with his disciples. And just as he is, was with his disciples, he is also with us, and he says to us, peace be with you by his Spirit. And then in verse 20, in verse 19, like I said, we see a peace that comes by his presence. In verse 20, he alludes to his wounds so that we see that we have a peace with God that comes through his passion. His passion is, is a phrase or a word, sorry, that, that is often used to describe his death. So when Jesus died, something happened. He, he quenched the wrath of God. He was our substitute, for he who knew no sin became sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when, he, when Jesus comes to his disciples, and we read in verse 20, it says that when he had said this, he showed him his hands and his side. He shows them, right, his wounds. He shows them the means by which we have peace were by his wounds. And he is saying to them, I am here, I am present, feel me, touch me, I am with you. And, and, and look at my wounds. Even though I was wounded, I am now resurrected. Is that the peace that I promised is now fulfilled. Not because, again, I've changed your circumstances. But because why? Because I took on your sin. And I bore it on the cross. And I took it to hell. And I left it there. And I rose to new life. He paid for it. Right? As far as the east is from the west, so is... He casts our sin. Jesus brings us peace, the peace of God. When we were enemies of God, He died for us so that we could be called Christ's sons and daughters. Now it's really interesting here what we learn about the disciples. So the disciples, uh, we, we can assume possibly that this is the disciples, or it could just be followers of Christ of whom the disciples were included. Um, you know, it doesn't say the 12 disciples, it just says his disciples. So it's, it's fair to say that this could be the 12 gathered. You know, we, we, we see the disciples in this moment scared, fearful, scared of their life, scared sitting in unrest and in the unrest of their circumstances. And if we were to fast forward to the end of their life, we see that all the disciples except for one die for the sake and the mission of Christ. Um, in an article, and there's lots of books that are written about this, but there's an article that I found that gives a summary, and I'll read some of them to you. Peter and Paul, they're both martyred in Rome at about 66 AD. During the persecution under the emperor of Nero, Paul was beheaded, Peter was crucified upside down at his request. That's what Christian tradition says, that Peter was crucified upside down at his request since he did not feel he was worthy to die in the same manner of the Lord. Andrew went on to what was called the land of the man-eaters. Imagine if that's where God were to lead you, which is now the Soviet Union. Uh, Christians there claimed that, um, that he was the first to bring the gospel to their land. And he also preached in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey and in Greece. And it was said that he was also crucified. Thomas, Doubting Thomas, who if you were to continue in the narrative, we see next uh, that we won't get to. Uh, but you feel free to read if, on your own. 
He was probably with it. He was probably most active in the east of Syria, and tradition has him as preaching as far east as India. Um, and um, ancient Christians there uh, uh, revere him as the founder of their church, and then they claim that he died when he was pierced uh, through with spears uh, of four soldiers. So he died a martyr's death. Um, Philip um, had a powerful ministry in Carthage in North Africa and in Asia Minor. Um, And then he was um, arrested and and it said that he was cruelly put to death. And I could keep going down the list. Everybody except for John died a martyr's death. So it, it makes us ask the question, how do they go from being scared for their life to being now dying for Jesus, or as in John's sake, he was cast off um, and and sent to a life of isolation. That was his his what he was what happened to him. How, how does that happen? How do you get there? Well, because there's a peace greater than our circumstances. That there's a peace greater than our unrest that allows us to whatever unrest that we have that we see, we can step forth and be present in it, because we trust in the wounds of Jesus. And his life, his death, and his resurrection that is above and beyond, that will in the end be sovereign over our troubles, sovereign over our difficulties, and sovereign over our unrest. And the best way for me to communicate, how did, how did the disciples get to that point? It didn't happen overnight. It happened through years of walking with Jesus one step at a time. And that's what I'm reminded of in this season in the season of cultivating peace in the midst of unrest, it's to just do it one step at a time. Is that we can look at the end, how are things going to get better? How are things going to happen? What's my life going to look like? But we're called not to be anxious about the, about the future, but to walk in faith one step at a time. Is to trust God with what's in front of us, to embrace it, to pray, to, to be present in the unrest, just as Jesus was present in the unrest. And how he was present in our unrest. And to show our wounds to others, just as Jesus showed his wound to us. And to rejoice in the healer, the healer of Jesus. The peace giver of who Jesus is. And when we do that, we walk one step at a time in a relationship with Jesus, in faith in Jesus. We cultivate peace to those around us. Because they experience the same unrest as we do. And when they see us walking forward and being present in unrest, just as Jesus was embodied and present in the unrest of his disciples in this narrative, when people see us, they'll ask us and wonder, what is this peace that equips you to be present with us and with in the unrest? John 20, verse 19 and 20, we see that the, the resurrected peace of Jesus, we see it, is that we can find peace and unrest, not absent from unrest, and that we have a resurrected peace in Jesus, and that's a peace that restores. It restores us to God. It restores us to, to be able to, our, to be present in our environment and to cultivate peace in the life of others, just one step at a time. And then if we continue, and as we close in verses 21 and 20, we see that the peace of Jesus not just um, restores us to God and restores us to our, our, ourselves and to others and restores us to being cultivators of peace, of shalom, but also that it empowers us. So the first part maybe is a question of what. What does the peace of Jesus do? And now it's, it's how. <laughs> how or why does the peace of Jesus empower us? 
And we see in verse 21 says this, and, and here again we see um, this phrase, peace be with you. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Tim Keller, a pastor who's retired now um, on this passage, uh, he, he says this about the mission that Jesus calls us to, that the peace of his presence empowers us to walk forward. And He says, Jesus' mission is a dangerous rescue operation to redeem and restore the world from all that ails it physically and spiritually because of sin. What this means is that on one hand, part of the mission is forgiveness of sins being preached to all nations, and that peace or shalom would go to all, all nations. And that, um, and then that's the spiritual, but also the physical, that the, that the physical, the kingdom of God had physical ramifications. It wasn't just preach the message and believe it. It was that we, that the God's people, his followers, were to, to, to walk into the unrest and not just speak peace, but cultivate peace with their hands. And in, in that, he still says, he quotes, Tim Keller quotes Isaiah, in that, um, is that we see that the blind would see, the lame would walk, that the leopards would be cleansed, that the poor would have good news preached to them, and that the dead would be raised. This is what makes the Christian mission unique. And this is this idea of shalom, of peace, is that peace isn't just personal calmness or stillness, even though in Jesus we have that. It's, it's, it's physical. It, it, it creates peace to the others around us, physical peace, physical shalom. It's not just believe in something and then be lifted into heaven, right? It's to, it's to have our minds in heaven and our hearts on Jesus and our hands in the earth to be peacemakers and, to, and that the way by which we are equipped to make peace is by looking to the healer. It's by experiencing the personal healing of Jesus and being equipped to heal others and to cultivate thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how do you do that? One person at a time. We're to walk in unrest, like I said earlier, one step at a time. And we're to cultivate physical peace in the life of others, one person at a time. When we see somebody hungry, we give them a meal. When we see somebody blind, we take their hand and help them walk. When we see somebody who is lame, we pick them up and help them have a normal experience in whatever it is they're experiencing. It's to see others around us because God has seen us. It's to have compassion on others because God has had compassion upon us. And it's to cultivate peace because Jesus has given us peace. John 20, 19-22 is a beautiful narrative about the resurrected peace of Jesus and how that peace empowers us to cultivate peace in the life of others one person at a time with whatever resources that God has given us. And it's a peace that has restored us, that allows us and equips us to be able to be present one step at a time in the midst of the unrest that we experience. I love um, John 14, 27, and I'll close with this, this passage. John 14, 27 is, happens before, obvious, before this, what we just read. 
And Jesus says this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. If you want to be a person, if we long to be a people who can be present in the unrest, to be present in the trouble, to be present in our fear, it's not to manipulate our circumstances so that trouble is gone or so that fear the fear that we that we have is gone because new fears will pop up new troubles will come we live in a fallen world and that's that's our guarantee rather it's to be and to have Jesus the peace that he has left him the peace that he has given to you and it's to ignore the calls of the world the sirens of the world that says you'll experience peace if you look this way feel this way are this way that are all circumstantial But the peace that we have in Jesus is supernatural that equips us in the natural to love and cultivate peace in the lives of others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for John 20 and the words that were left behind through the pen of John. God, help us to be what this passage invites us to be to be people of peace in this Easter season in the midst of the the unique unrests that we experience. Help us, equip us to, 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 to look to you so that we can walk one step at a time in the midst of our unrest by faith. And that as we do that, that we can look around and love one person at a time. In Jesus' name, amen.